Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, one-third of Kauai Disappointment Pod, a cat owner, and a craft bitch. Please welcome Skylar. Hi. <laughs> you may recognize Skylar's name and voice from the spooky special self-interview episode where Skylar did a, a wonderful little self-interview. And that made me think we definitely need to do a full episode. Yes, that was <laughs> so fun. Thank you so much for having me and on this. Yeah, you did a great job. We are going to talk about a special film that Skylar has chosen. But before we get into that, we're going to dive into Skylar's history of movie experiences. Starting with Skylar, what was the first movie you remember seeing in theaters? So you could tell me if this doesn't count, but I did okay. think really hard about it. I think I was around like five or six years old and uh, my mom was like, we're going to go to the movies. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> and um, it turns out it wasn't a movie theater, it was a drive-in. So, but this is like the first time I like consciously remember Oh yeah, uh, seeing a movie, right? Yeah, that counts. And, <laughs> it was San Bernardino which is a desert. Uh, no, but she had uh, <laughs> like a minivan and she took the bench seats out. So like uh, we got there, she pulled into uh, the parking spot and she just opened up like the hatch. So we were all like laying on her stomach, Aww. watching movie snacks and stuff. And it was a re-showing of Jurassic Park, which Aww. had like come out a few years before that. Amazing. Yeah, I, I was like six. I was like, holy shit dinosaurs are real and it was it was definitely you know how like every film major that talks about horror movies where it's like oh yeah horror is like a safe space environment to like flex your flight or fight like uh -huh. that's that's that first time for me I was just like oh my god this is terrifying but Absolutely. so so exhilarating I was so excited yeah because that is a that's a scary movie and the first time that I saw that movie was on the small screen in in a living room like with my family uh -huh. and I remember being scared I wasn't like so scared that I like cried or ran away or anything but imagining it at a drive-in at that age like I feel like it'd be so much scarier <laughs> the part with the car I like yeah. was you know obviously I didn't understand what like meta was but uh -huh. the part with the car i was just like looking around being like we're in a car <laughs> like what <laughs> yes there's so many car scenes and you were in a car <laughs> damn and so you you didn't like cry or you know try to run away or anything like that no i was definitely like biting my nails type thing i've always really liked like horror movies mm -hmm. and i was never really allowed to watch them so i like learned how to be really quiet because I used to hide under the couch while my brother watched horror movies Aww. and that's how I got like early exposure but I had to be like super quiet otherwise I wouldn't be able to watch them oh. and so I got I'm really good at like not acting scared during a movie 
Oh, got it. So it was almost like a, it was like a manipulation is not quite the right word. A conditioned but, response. <laughs> yes. A performance, so to say, yeah. so to speak, so that you could see the movies. Because you, that's so interesting, because even at the age of five, you were aware that like, yes, I have an, a, a, an, an emotional response to this that would concern my parents, but I know I have it under control. So it's not to the point where I shouldn't have the experience at all. But to convince them that I can have this experience, I have to suppress my response. Yes. <laughs> and that's on a trauma, babes. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I love it. And what a, yeah, what a, what a great first experience. Yeah. If <laughs> thinking back on it, of course, like I'm very framing it very cinematically through uh, the lens of my memory or whatever. Nostalgia glaze. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, that was sick as fuck. Yeah. I love the drive-in. Do you still go to the drive-in ever? No, I don't drive. My husband doesn't drive. Gotcha. But if we did, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's harder now too because so many cars now are like electric or hybrid. Because to listen to the movie, you have to have like a radio and you have to keep your your engine like and not not on, but like in the special mode. You know what I mean? Wait, have you been to one like recently? Yes, and I've been in a hybrid car, and it was it's all like I have to like get out the manual to figure out how to have my radio on without just having my car like fully on okay okay so i was gonna say it's no longer like the little speaker thing <laughs> in the oh no i've never been to one like that i mean that was like back in the 90s though so like yeah it makes sense that the radio thing is the future yeah 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 <laughs> all right so that was the first movie that you saw with your family what was the first movie you remember seeing in theaters without any parents or supervising adults so to paint the picture um, <laughs> i was in catalina with family friends and stuff and uh, my parents are alcoholics who loved to party mm. so they were like off like on the beach and I was like I had kid friends with them like we were all the same age so it was great mm -hmm. and they're like oh go to like the movie theater which only plays like one movie because it's there's like 30 people on the island and that movie was AI artificial intelligence with Haley Joel oh yeah yeah Haley Joel Osment I remember that one and that movie was a bummer but I like was just like wow this is so deep <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely saw it, but I actually can't remember what was a bummer about it. So basically, Haley Joe Osman, he's an android or an AI or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's very, oh, but what if robots or androids could few things? And it was very mm -hmm. like, I want to see my mom. And it was like an old yeller kind of, no, not old yeller. <laughs> wrong. It's a. Uh, they took him out back and shot him. <laughs> Yeah. It's a white thing, I guess, kind of situation because, like, they got him to kind of fill the void that the mom had because her son was, like, in a coma. Mm. And then the son comes home and then they kind of have, like, a weird rivalry going, which I think is, like, understandable because, like, the kid is like, well, you fucking replace me with an android. And then mm. the android's just like, you're replacing me with, like, this other person. Like, he doesn't understand. And then he gets, like, thrown out now and then jude law is there and he's like a sex worker robot but like that's also right that's that, that's when I got first got a crush on Jude Law. That is what I remember more about that movie. 
yeah, he like remembers Pinocchio and he's like, I have to find the blue fairy so I can become a real boy and I can, you know, see my mama again. And like, there's this point where he's in a f- abandoned fairy tale amusement park type thing that's been flooded and he's like underwater and he finds like the statue of the blue fairy and for like a hundred years or whatever, he's just sitting in front of her going like... I want to be a real boy. And then it takes like a really fucking weird turn. There's like aliens in. They're like, you were so good. And like, we're going to reward you. And they give him like one day of just like being with his mom. It was, it was a bummer. I think I was like 11 or something when it came out. Yeah. But like as a little kid, I was like, wow, this is really deep. Yeah. Did you remember all of that from seeing it once when you were 11? Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it another time in my lifetime. Watch, like, it's all wrong because <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> I should have probably wikied it. Oh, no, not at all. You don't have to. It's because it's more about your, like, you know, your genuine, yeah, your genuine memory and, and experience and feelings, which is great. But I'm also just incredibly impressed by how much detail you remembered. My brain does not work like that. <laughs> the problem is, my brain doesn't remember anything now, but it. <laughs> I guess also, though, like, media is, like, very, like, impactful. There's that, like, huge trend on TikTok that's just, like, moments that change my brain chemistry. And Mm. I feel like a lot of just, like, songs do that, like, movie scores and just, like, really good media will, like, burn itself into my brain. Absolutely, yeah. So you would say that this was something that it felt good enough to you that it did kind of burn into your brain like that. It got stored in the long-term memory vault. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love Haley Joe Osmond so much. Yeah, he had such a a moment in that that era because that was not too long after... um, Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I see dead people movie. <laughs> yeah, the sixth sense. He had what, like secondhand lions, another sad one. I think he dies. Spoiler alert for pay, secondhand lions. No, pay, pay it forward. forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is secondhand lions? Never mind. Never mind. I don't know, but I believed you. I feel like that's, isn't that, isn't that another one? <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. Pay it forward was the one that was also sad. Yeah. But. He's Sora from Kingdom Hearts, which has profoundly affected my whole entire life. My wedding was Kingdom Hearts thing, so. Is he really? He's the voice? Of Sora? Yeah. Oh my god, I had no idea. <laughs> and Jesse McCartney is Roxas. So. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you were 11. You said you saw it with other kid friends or just by yourself? Uh, with other kid friends. Gotcha. And do you remember what, like, what was the overall feeling of, of that, of you and the other kids, like, going to see a movie by yourselves? Um, oh, God, we felt so adult. Like, I remember putting on, like, perfume and we were <laughs> just like, we're going to live it up, gals. Like, <laughs> One of one of the people are like, wow, this is really fucking boring. And then the other girl <laughs> and me were just like, wow, this is so, so deep, so profound. I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, that you put on perfume. I just love that. That is like the perfect like first movie by yourself experience when you're just like, yeah, I'm independent. Because <laughs> like we didn't have like, I didn't, I didn't have like a whole lot of makeup or anything at that mm-hmm. time. But I did have a big girl perfume. Yes. That did smell like gummy bears. <laughs> didn't smell like going bears it was sweet pea because that's what everyone my age was cursed with at that age Ooh, i remember i had a, a cotton candy one that was my jam for like two years 
was it like in like like a roundish bottle that yes. had like really co- oh god that stuff and it was pink yes i had that it smells like poison like really, really- <laughs> <laughs> I loved it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you actually have a gummy bear one? Yeah, I had the the cotton candy one and the gummy bear one. Oh, nice. I never saw the gummy bear one. I had to switch over the cotton candy one. I talk so much. Trigger warning. I'm annoying. <laughs> Are you good? <laughs> yeah, my brother used my gummy bear perfume to spray his boots out because he had like really bad <laughs> bo, and from that it didn't help. It just smelled like bo and gummy bears, and I like never could use that perfume ever again oh my god i can totally imagine that yeah when you get like a a memory sensory like tied together so that the sense is like ruined yes (laughs) that's so funny okay so that was your the one you saw without any parents and uh, oh i was gonna say i feel like so this movie was rated ai was rated pg-13 and I'm thinking about it and I actually feel like it's such a good kids movie in a weird way, even though it was not made for or marketed to kids. Because like what you're saying about how it was like, oh, it feels like super deep and made you really think about things you hadn't thought about before in a way where I feel like a lot of adults would be like, oh, this is cheesy or whatever. But right. for kids, it's like a really like a, a transcendent experience, which I think is important to have those kinds of movies. I have like this thing in movies and you could say maybe it's mommy issues. It probably is. Anytime I see like a child separated from like a parent, it like makes me sob like immediately. Like mm. you see it in the blind side where like when he's separated from his mom and it's just like, bruh, like, well, because mm. like kids don't understand that like parents don't always have their best interests in heart. They just know that that's like a person they love and someone that, you know, they they want to be with, but they don't understand that that's the person who is, you know, not feeding them or hurting them. Mm-hmm. And so when I see stuff like that, it's just like it makes me so sad because you see that in AI, I think. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Yeah. And where- his whole goal is just to get back to her. His whole purpose in life is to be a good son to her. And then she didn't need him anymore. And she, like, shows, like, a lot of guilt, again, based off memory, I believe. And it's, like, a hard thing for her. But, like, it's more hard on him. Yeah. He's not real. But, like, also, he kind of is real. I don't know. I'm really nice to the Google in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm also, I'm really nice to the Roomba. Like, <laughs> I put Google eyes on it to just remind everyone that it to be nice, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> and when this world ends, yes, the Roomba will ascend to heaven. I don't we, know. We will be spared <laughs> the <laughs> the uprising. Yes, that's my plan. Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying about the the parents and the and the child and emotional how emotionally compelling that is, and it, I think it kind of makes you want to keep watching because you want to see it turn out okay, especially maybe if maybe if you haven't seen things turn out okay in your real life or things you've witnessed in reality you're hoping in movies that you know okay get to the end something good's gonna happen right happy ending (laughs) right and it's like a bittersweet ending you're like oh he got to see his mom yeah but also it's a fabrication he's not real and this is gonna be him before he's turned off like right yeah I do remember that it's like coming back to me I remember like really liking the movie up until the end where I was kind of like I did want that payoff of like I guess a happy ending like just like for it to be okay (laughs) because it was very intense I don't I would feel such immense amount of guilt like it 
if I brought home like an android of my husband, yeah. I, would, I would feel like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. Although that could be helpful to just have like the android does the chores and then the real person doesn't have to do any chores. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into sketchy moral areas. <laughs> We're supposed to be nice. <laughs> right. Um, right. Well, tell me one of your favorite movies of all time and why. So it's funny because I already got to talk about like my other top favorite movie, Scream, on the the spooky episodes. And so Mm -hmm. this is, I think, like number two of my top three favorite. And it is Moulin Rouge. I was obsessed with like Chicago and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching the Oscars with my mom and seeing like Moulin Rouge. I don't think it won it may have I don't know but I remember seeing uh clips and like seeing like sparkles and music and Mm -hmm. glitter and just fastness and I was like oh I think I'd really like that movie because I love Chicago and it's a musical I was really upset because I had to go spend like this you know like a week later like it was just you know put that on pause (laughs) I want to spend the weekend with my mom because like my best friend was having a party And I had to go spend it with my dad and I was very bummed out about it. And so she said like, bye. And, you know, we made the trek up and I remember it was like nighttime and I was going through my suitcase and I found like a present and I was like, Ooh, present. And I opened it (laughs) and it was a DVD copy of Moulin Rouge with a note from my mom being like, I know that uh, you want to go to that party, but I hope you like this. And like, boy, did I fucking like it. Like, again, it's another one of those, my my brain chemistry was altered. Like, the glitter, the drama, Ian McGregor, the saucy, or, you know, the sexiness. And, yeah, like, (laughs) as soon as you see, like, Kylie Minogue as the green fairy, I was like, what the fuck? This is amazing. And then it was really cemented when Ian McGregor is singing your song and it's literally raining glitter on them. He's got the umbrella. I was just like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen, (laughs) ever seen in my entire life. And low key, like I've been searching for that musical high Uh ever since. And I think Greatest Showman almost came close to it. Mm. But like there's a lot of, you know, like suspense. Like, I don't like Greatest Showman, like, lore, like, actual lore. So it's a lot of, like, suspended uh, display or bully. I don't know. Whatever it's called. Uh, Yeah, I know what you mean. I can't think of what it is either, but I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things I have to ignore. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever felt the way I felt about Moulin Rouge from anything else that I've, like, watched ever. Nice. It's a pretty intense feeling. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I, I mean, I'd love that that's what movies do for us. I haven't seen it. And I was trying to think of if I've seen anything that comes close to what you're describing. And the only thing that comes to mind for me, and it's not the same at all, because it's a different kind of glam. It's more like grunge glam. But one of my favorite movies is called Phantom of the Paradise. Have you heard of that? Let me talk to you about how much I love Phantom of the Paradise. Ah! 
Yay. Listen, I, so in fifth grade, I watched like Rocky Horror Picture Show and those too young of an age. I showed it at my sleepover and uh, two of my friends went home because they were so uncomfortable. Oh, wow. So I like watched that stuff and I was very like on the scene going to Rocky and then I was like an adult and someone's just like, oh, yeah, like I really wish there was like a fan of the paradise type thing we could go to. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And they're like, oh, oh, buckle up. And so I like really got to like watch it through that lens. And my mom was like, oh, yeah, I love like Paul Williams. Yeah. So it was very like she showed me Rocky Horror and then I got to show her fan of the paradise. And she was just like, I love the 70s. I was alive in the 70s <laughs> and was in love with. Paul Williams that's his name right yes yes yeah it's okay so it's like so dumb because this movie kind of like made the book sorry wait you cut out for a second you said this movie made something oh it like made this joke span so basically I is it Jessica Harper no that's not her uh, name, I think right? that is let me double check yes it is Jessica Harper Woo. okay so it's stupid but like we kind of assigned ourselves jessica harper roles because we all knew her from something else like uh my best friend knew her from phantom of the paradise i knew her from suspiria and our other best friend knew her from shock treatment the unofficial sequel to rocky horror picture show ah. and i was just like wow all these people are like the same band the fact that they could make so many different like sounds and stuff was so incredible I just made my friend watch it this past Halloween. She's never seen it. Nice. So she came over and I'm always like insecure because it's a really long movie and some people do not have like the patience for Wait, it. Wait, which movie is long? But, uh, Fan of the Paradise. Is it? Is it long? I feel like it's like two hours. Let me see. It's never felt. No, it's 91 minutes. It's only an hour and a half. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's an hour and a half. In our TikTok generation where our yeah. attention spans are like to six seconds. No, that's fine. No, but like we all have like, we're all ADHD bitches. So like yeah. the fact that it could hold her attention and my attention, I'm just like, bravo. It's great. I love it. Sorry. Yes. No, I'm so happy. It's like one of my favorite things to do is introduce that movie to people because just it's from, you know, 1974 and yeah. before Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom. Before. Yes. Before Phantom of the Opera and before Rocky Horror and before like all these things that were inspired from the film and like watching the film for the first, first time like blew my mind because I was like, oh, that thing like I've seen this and other things, but this is the first time they did it right yeah it's so good and it was not I don't think it was big when it came out but it's become a cult classic so I'm always just so happy to introduce people to it or to find other people who already know and love it <laughs> I'm like the type of annoying person where I'll make people watch trailers if I think they'll like it because like you, you could do the like whole word and mouth but I'm like you don't believe me <laughs> watch the trailer for it <laughs> And I was trying to get my friend who's a drag queen to watch it because, like, he loves camp. And I was like, you mm. would love beef. You would love everything about this. Like, yes. And so I'm just very like, camp chasing him around, trying to make him watch the whole trailer. <laughs> oh, good luck. <laughs> Godspeed. So that was perfect. Our final non-feature film question is, overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies? So important. <laughs> <laughs> 
I used to be like a film major. This was a field I just, I wanted to be a part of like so bad mm. and it means so much to me. And, and like, I'm not like, I'm a cinephile because like, I'm not like, I will literally watch like a bunch of things that people consider garbage. I was literally at work talking about Superstar with my coworker and my other coworkers just like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't like watch like lowbrow stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> great. Okay like whatever <laughs> so like I'm not like gonna be pretentious about like movies or judge people I just I just think movies are so incredible and I love them and honestly when I could couldn't be a film major anymore it like it really destroyed like a big part of like who I was mm. I like stopped watching a lot of movies got really into like tv mm. but then I like got a job at a movie theater and everything was like reinvigorated and yeah so I think I have a pretty passionate <laughs> affair with movies <laughs> yeah and oh my god I'm loving our similarities both former film majors and both former <laughs> movie theater workers oh my god <laughs> yeah uh, well I'll share like why I had to not be a film major anymore. I, I was double majoring in psychology and film before the pandemic because I was taking my sweet time um, working full time at the same time as going to school. So it was very limiting to how many classes I could take. But uh, then the pandemic hit. And as you can imagine, it is rather difficult to take film classes online. <laughs> yes. in terms of like making films you can definitely take you know film theory and you know film cr critique classes online absolutely but in terms of the stuff I really wanted to get into which was actually working with other people on film in person uh, was no longer available because the schools were shut down for like a year and I uh, the way that financial aid works I could not just be like, well, I'll just pick it up later. It was like, no, like your aid runs out next year. So it's like, well, <laughs> goodbye, <laughs> film major. <laughs> oh, it's funny because uh, right now I'm back in school and I'm a psychology major. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I have like a focus in child psychology. Oh, I love that. So many similarities. <laughs> That's so funny. I love it. Um, are you willing to share what led to you sadly not being able to major in film anymore? Yes. So basically, I loved it. It was fantastic. I got a position with Movie Lifetime Network, a cute little internship. Wow. And um, I have epilepsy, so mm. I can't drive. And I like lived in Lakewood. And I kind of had that realization where I was just like, Oh, and this was like before Uber. It's not that I could afford it as like a college student, mm. but they're like, oh yeah, we need you like in downtown LA by like 4 a.m. And then in, um, you know, Burbank by like 12 and like buses didn't run that early. And I was Aww. just like, oh, fuck this like thing that I don't have any control over has like completely changed my life and I became so depressed I like dropped out of school mm, yeah and I just stopped going to school until like recently I think it took like 10 years for me to go back to school yeah that's fair yeah accessibility can play like a huge role in just diverting people's lives not just from the sheer inaccessibility of it all but also yeah the depression of like your dreams being closed off to you 
even mm-hmm. though like you have all the like gumption and passion and desire, but the, yeah. the world is like set up against it sometimes. And I like, I get so jealous, but not jealous too, because like, I think, you know, I'm, I am where I'm supposed to be. If I continued, I probably wouldn't be married to like, you know, my partner and all that stuff. But like, I'll see like a lot of my friends who also got those internships and they like literally work for like Netflix and mm. my friend who had gotten me the, you know, nepotism <laughs> got me the internship literally just like directed this huge like Netflix film and then oh, wow. like was in New York and like, I was just like, hmm, damn, that's cool. And then I like had another friend. He is like a pretty big indie horror movie person. He works with Shannon Doherty a lot, so mm, cool. I'm just like, cool, great, <laughs> have fun without me. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm chilling, I'm vibing. Yeah, and congratulations on on going back to school. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I hate homework <laughs> so much. Oh God, it's the worst. <laughs> I literally turned in a paper on procrastination. My final three days late. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's honestly beautiful they should give you an a for that everyone keeps saying yeah like i committed <laughs> to the assignment and that shit count is extra credit technically yeah no that should be extra credit for sure <laughs> so that is your relationship with movies very passionate very elaborate love it very similar <laughs> to mine i know <laughs> baby you give me ice and fire this is the space where the ads go. Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And if you've ever watched a TV show and thought to yourself, oh my god, that season finale plot twist was absolutely bonkers. Or seen a movie and thought, wow, I need to talk to somebody about this train wreck immediately. Then we think you'll fit right in with our podcast, I Hate It, Let's Watch It. We watch TV shows like Riverdale and Emily in Paris. And movies like Deep Water, Killer Sofa, Rubber, and Deadly Illusions. And we give them the total rinse they deserve. It's basically group therapy for movie masochists. So come check us out wherever you stream podcasts. At Cinema Recall, we want to present to you the finest in film analysis. Yeah, like action and gore and sex. We will look at classics by Kubrick, Lynch, Godard, De Palma, and Coppola. I don't know who the f*** that is, but I'm looking at classic bodies of Christina Hendricks, Keanu Reeves, Salma Hayek, Ryan Reynolds. We are a serious show for film lovers who enjoy indie foreign films, art house gems, and classic black and white features. Well, I enjoy big budget blockbusters with great action and sexy people. Maybe our podcast can celebrate all aspects of films, like people who feel like your weird way and like people who feel like my weird way can like get together, man. They can? Yeah. Huh. You know, I like that. Cinema Recall is available everywhere you find great podcasts. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast. And on Twitter at cinema underscore recall. We will now get into our feature film. The featured film we are discussing today, chosen by Skylar is a 1998 comedy film directed by Frank... <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> directed by Frank Carassi. I'm hoping is how you say his last name. It's C-O-R-A-C-I. 
Sounds good enough. Written by Tim Herlihy. Hopefully that's how you say his last name. (laughs) (laughs) Who have each worked with the starring actor in this film a number of times. Karasi with The Waterboy, Click, Blended, and The Ridiculous Six. And Herlihy with Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, The Waterboy, Big Daddy, Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds, Bedtime Stories, Grown Ups 2, Pixels, and The Ridiculous Six. This film stars Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore in their first on-screen romantic pairing together, though they would repeat that dynamic in two more rom-coms in the years to follow with Blended in 2014 and Fifty First States in 2004. This movie that we're discussing was scheduled to release in 1997, but due to its romantic themes, it was pushed back to February 1998 as the producers thought it would be better released during Valentine's season which also meant that 1997 was the only year between 1995 and 2000 that Adam Sandler did not have a movie in theaters. Though this film was released in 1998, it takes place in 1985, as the film indicates with several nods to the music and props of the 80s, though Drew Barrymore's wardrobe is decidedly 1990s. Her very blue mascara. Yes, (laughs) including the flowery denim jacket that she wears in several scenes in the film, which was actually Drew's personal jacket at the time that the director asked her to wear in character because it was cute. (laughs) As you should. As you should. According to IMDb, the dialogue for the character of Julia, played by Drew Barrymore, was punched up considerably by Carrie Fisher, who said that she added heart and strength and dimension to the character while trying to punch up the script to make the women characters smarter and thus the love scenes more believable. The film had a budget of $18 million and made $123.3 million worldwide in ticket sales. It opened second in the U.S., just behind Titanic, which was still in theaters from its record-breaking opening in 1997. This movie would later be adapted to a successful Broadway musical and is widely regarded as one of Adam Sandler's best comedies. The movie we're talking about today is The Wedding Singer. (laughs) So, Skylar, for your chosen movie... First, tell me, in your opinion, what are the most important things or themes that happen in this movie? I really love how the relationship between Robbie and, um, oh my God, I just watched it, Julia. (laughs) I really love the relationship between Robbie and Julia because, like, it's not Robbie, like, lusting after her. Like, it's a very, like, genuine, like, sweet romance between them, between two friends. And I feel like a lot of times you see the very problematic like friend zone type thing and like oh if I'm like nice to her maybe she'll fall in love with me mm-hmm. and like he's just nice and he like falls in love with her and he's very like I'm not gonna like ruin her relationship even though like he's a piece of shit Mm -hmm. because he respects her and he thinks that that's what makes her happy i just really like the consideration between each other's feelings i feel like you don't see that a lot in movies especially in like the the 90s Mm -hmm. and in rom-coms yeah they have just amazing chemistry and uh sorry i keep trailing off oh no you're good they they're so cute and i just love the friendship he has in general too with all the people in the movie with the exception of the brother-in-law like fuck that guy yeah but everyone's just really sweet and i love it 
Also, Julia and Holly, their cousins, and like I love seeing best friend cousins because I was like best friends with some of my cousins growing up, so that was very believable. And they're very respectful of each other because, like, when Holly is just like, "Okay, I want to go on a date with him. Are you okay with that?" Like, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Yeah, why wouldn't it be?" And she's like, "Okay, good, because I want to." But like, the fact that she's like making sure it's okay, yeah, that's great. And even the part where like Holly like kisses him on like the date and stuff, she's just like, "Oh, okay, you are like in love with Julia," and like she's she's respectful to him too like so i I just love that everyone's so respectful (laughs) yeah tell me about the first time you watched the movie where were you how old were you who did you watch it with and then please tell me your response then versus your response in your most recent watching i remember just kind of meandering into the living room and my mom was on the couch and she was flipping through channels and it was literally like the opening of it where he's singing you spin me right round mm. and my mom like stopped on it and i like sat on the couch next to her and i was like oh what's this and she's like oh it's that adam sandler movie the wedding singer it was on tv because i think it was like 2001 i was like 11 and i had seen adam sandler movies before i'd seen like billy madison and happy gilmore and i'd even seen like the water boy and, like, that's a very, you know, different Adam Sandler, right? And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of, like, the angry asshole screaming, like, a lot. But, like, <laughs> he's so lovable. And, like, <laughs> and this is, like, the first time I was, like, damn, Adam Sandler could get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he was literally just, like, so sweet. And anytime he did have, like, the Adam Sandler, like, outburst, It was completely, like, valid. It was literally, like, him dealing with his heartbreak. Like, the first time he, like, screams is when, like, he is confronting Linda. Well, I guess when, like, yeah. Because, like, she was just like, oh, yeah, I don't want to marry you. I embarrassed you in front of our whole town and family. And he's like, that would have been great if I knew that yesterday. And she's just like, yeah, sucks to suck. And he's like, again, and he does like the scream and just like, yeah, he's like in a lot of pain. I think that it's completely valid. Yeah. So I watched it. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. (laughs) This is incredible. (laughs) I have always listened to like a ton of music. And I think I was in my like 50s phase at this point when I saw this movie. And I was just like, damn, the 80s got bops. Yeah, (laughs) great soundtrack. Yes. And so it it really started me on listening to a lot more like 80s music. Nice. Yeah, now that I think about it, I wonder... I mean, it feels like the 80s keep trying to come back, like the 80s will not die. But I wonder if that's sort of when some of that started was with this movie, because it, yeah, as, as I read earlier, like it was popular, it was very successful in the box office. So I wonder if part of the, the, the first resurgence for the 80s, 80s nostalgia of 80s music, if it started with this movie. We were, uh, so I watched it last night with my husband Mm -hmm. because I watched this movie like probably three times a year. Oh, damn. (laughs) It's, well, it's one of, well, technically, (laughs) I have now officially talked on your podcast about all three of my most favorite movies. Nice. (laughs) 
the wedding singer Moulin Rouge and Scream. Nice. So, <laughs> so I was watching it with my husband last night, and uh, I have it on DVD, and we put on the special features and stuff. Mm-hmm. My husband was like, "Oh, it's wild that like they were so nostalgic for like something that was only like ten years ago." Years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, wow, one of the special features is like a behind the scenes look at like the wedding singer on Broadway. We were watching it and it was the director. He's like, yeah, I just really want to like Adam Sandler really wanted to do this plot line. And I was like, okay, we'll do it. But it's got to be the 80s. And like, we're like, okay, yeah. No, but it was great. When you have something set in a time period like that, like you get to be fully immersed in it because just like the style is just so like wild, right? Like, and everything is just so, so stylized, so perfectly like 80s, like even the dre- the decorations at the wedding, right? Like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I've, I've gone through family members' weddings and you see all that like metallic like bullshit in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently Tim Hurley, he, the writer, was inspired. He was inspired by a radio show called Lost in the 80s. And so Oof. he heard that and was like, okay, the movie's got to be in the 80s. <laughs> we got to do it. <laughs> no, but it works. I I don't think it would work as well in like the 90s, you know, like like the 90s had amazing amazing music i love it but like the ballads of the 80s like Mm -hmm. works in with everyone's emotions in this movie i don't think (laughs) there was a lot of like uh stone temple pilots and bernie spears in the 90s i don't think it would have been as good yeah although if they ever want to remake it and just have it be like he's singing yeah he's singing oops i did it again in the opening scene instead i would watch that He's just doing like Shakira, like yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So your first time you watched it, so you were eleven and you watched it with your mom. Did you sit down and watch it right then? Yes, we watched the whole thing, and I was like, "Damn, this movie is the best." And my mom always was just like, "Oh, I hate that they named her Linda because that was my mom's name." Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Like. When he's singing his like the cure inspired song, you know, yeah. just like when I think of you, Linda, I hope you fucking choke. And she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, you can probably relate to this. I, I rarely have to deal with show like characters and anything uh, having my name and dealing with like that jarring moment when like someone says your name. Because mm-hmm. Aubrey and Skylar are not like super commonly. Yeah. Written names and, and stuff. Yeah. Breaking Bad is when it finally started happening. Oh, do they have a Skylar character in there? Yeah, Walter White's wife is named Skylar. And they're like, Skylar, like from Breaking Bad. I was like, yeah, but I don't smoke cigarettes uh, (laughs) when I'm pregnant, nor have I ever been pregnant, nor do I plan to be pregnant. But (laughs) she smokes cigarettes when she's pregnant, so I don't like her. Yeah. (laughs) Fair. So you and your mom watched together and it sounded like you kind of bonded, bonded over it. Then did you guys, how soon after that did you buy it? I got it from Blockbuster just like a whole bunch of times. (laughs) Um, Because we went to Blockbuster like every Friday and I was allowed to get one video game, which was always Pokemon Snap. Nice. (laughs) 
and nice. one movie and I would get the wedding singer like a lot so my <laughs> mom eventually just like bought it also my mom did this like weird thing and I think again this is like kind of like a love for movies anytime it was our birthday do you remember like pay-per-view yeah you could like pay per view no but uh, (laughs) they had an option where you could pay like a certain price and they would just play it on one channel the whole day whoa my mom would do that for all of us for our birthday the first year she did it she did it with flipper oh cute i like loved flipper and then she did it with um the horse whisper because i love the horse whisper (laughs) And then she did it with the wedding singer. So I literally got to watch like the wedding singer all day long on my birthday. So then she eventually just bought it for me on VHS. That is so cute. I had no idea about the all day loop option of pay-per-view. Yeah, it was very like a Christmas story, but without Christmas and it being that movie. (laughs) That's adorable. I like that. Would you say, do you feel like your response to the movie has changed at all over time or pretty much stayed the same? I think it's basically stayed the same. Like, obviously, I see, like, more of the problematic tropes that you get until, like, up until, like, very recently, honestly. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I think it's, like, a pretty sincere, like, good movie that isn't as problematic as, like, other things that Adam Sandler has been in before. (laughs) Like, they do make the the gay jokes against uh, George, which is, like, sucks because, like, George is literally an icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was played by, there's a boy George impersonator in the movie played yeah. by Alexis Arquette. And they are giving the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did great. Uh-huh. When it's like the the bar mitzvah song when Adam Sandler is singing that song and Drew Barrymore is dancing with the kid from Matilda. Yes. <laughs> Brucey. Mm-hmm. You just see the George character pull out all these instruments. And I again, I've seen this movie so many times. So when my husband was watching it, I was just like, man, George really like fucking brings it this whole time like there is no character in this movie that makes me like laugh as hard as George does yeah and like she pulled out the trumpet just all these instruments (laughs) it was perfect she's a queen oh that's great yeah I missed that I didn't see that in the background yeah I this movie is incredible (laughs) I love it so much it was uh my first uh dance at my wedding was oh was what sorry Oh, it was the song that he sings to Drew Barrymore on the plane. Aw, that song made me tear up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very sweet song. And apparently, I didn't actually look this up, but I was chatting with a former Bring Your Own Popcorn guest, Ruben Escobedo III, who has several podcasts, but one of his podcasts is called Into the Sandlerverse, and it's all about Adam Sandler movies. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, of course, I had to, yeah. (laughs) Obviously, I had to message him that I was watching this movie. And he said that Adam Sandler actually adapted that song for his real wife, who he met, like, right after this movie, I guess. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Very sweet song. I love him so much. (laughs) The movie's so good. Did your, uh, did your husband, or, wait, let me, let me go back. How soon into your relationship with your now husband did you introduce this movie to him i didn't really have to introduce it to him because he had seen it oh okay and he you know he loves adam sandler movies it was something we like bonded over um, nice. I just, 
<laughs> a lot of stand behavior in our household. <laughs> we bonded over like Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that. So like, oh, we were like, fuck yeah, the wedding singer is so great. But I just like watch it a lot more than him. But I think it is one of his favorite Adam Sandler movies. Oh, nice. I love how how on the same page you were with like you had the, the wedding singer song at your wedding. You had a Kingdom Hearts themed wedding. That's beautiful. For the song, mm-hmm. we actually changed it the night before our wedding. Oh, because we had like a relationship song that was really sweet. I mean, it was uh, like Sweet Pea, that song. Mm. And it was really cute, but it just felt like it was not right. And literally it was like the next day we're getting married and we were watching The Wedding Singer. I was like, oh, my God, mm. what if we dance to this song? He's like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, <laughs> and so <laughs> here we are. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. That's a heartwarming tale. Thank you. (laughs) So how would you say that this movie has has changed or affected your life? It definitely set me on a path during uh, down exploring more eighties culture because already again I like loved a lot of horror movies and stuff, but I didn't I don't think I had like a true appreciation for the era that they were all like set in, mm. and I equate music to a lot of things. Um, it's like <laughs> a mental health like issue thing. I use music as like escapisms and will mm-hmm. soundtracks to help me like cope with like big emotions. Oh my god, Skylar. What? It's yet another thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many Spotify playlists that I like carefully curate for different for different moods when I'm in different phases of life. And oh. I will also I like curate something and then I like listen to that on repeat while I'm coping with whatever I'm going through and then you know I'll move on to the next thing (laughs) yeah no I I get like goosebumps or I guess it's called like frisson so like easily like Mm. um and like music really like does that to me I'm like I wish I could play a musical instrument so much because like music means so much to me, but I feel like only people that like play like violin and like instruments are just like, yeah, music's a really big part of my life where I'm like, (laughs) yeah, music's a really big part of my life. It helps me cope mentally. Yeah. But yeah, I have, yeah, a lot of playlists. I have my CW prom playlist, which is songs that you probably would see on the CW if there was a prom episode. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I have like, fuck yeah, it's the motherfucking 80s playlist. And yeah, Yeah, I get scolded by my husband. He's like, we don't need like background music right now. We're just trying to have a conversation. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, but, but it also, because you're a psychology major. So you understand that like music does like help memory too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because I like the type of epilepsy I have, I have like a lot of a deteriorating like memory and it, it's honestly like a problem. Like I love to make fun of it, but like it's a nightmare sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, music, I could like go back and remember things because like the music was so like impactful. And that's one of those things like you were talking about how like smell is like one of those sensory like memory things. So is yeah. Uh, music. Yeah. So I, I feel like... The problem my husband has is I have ADHD, so I get distracted very easily when he's just trying to have a conversation with me. Mm. But music for me, I'm going to at least somewhat remember the conversation. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That is so smart. I love that. So, yeah, it really 
put me down a path of appreciation for the 80s and exploring the music era. Yeah, just having a good time. Also, it, it was one of those like, okay because it's very like men and women can be friends and it doesn't have to have like sexual tension and it's like yes Mm -hmm. but they end up together yeah Um, (laughs) which is funny because my husband was legitimately like my best friend before we even started dating oh so like (laughs) but I have like plenty of male friends that I'm not gonna like you know marry (laughs) right So it's very like, I love their dynamic. It doesn't have to be, but they do end up together. But again, it's important because he's like not lusting after her. He's not trying to manipulate her in any way. And I think that really showed me, you know, like, oh, men can be very predatory. Like, because Glenn, her, Mm -hmm. is very predatory towards women. Billy Idol has that very (laughs) great quote. He's just like was it Glenn only cares about like possessions or blah 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 like fancy cars blah 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 even women are possessions to him mm-hmm. <laughs> Sandler's just like see even Billy Idol gets it why can't you yeah. like <laughs> I'm so curious knowing that Carrie Fisher punched up the script I'm so curious if she added that part <laughs> I yeah the I didn't even know Carrie Fisher was involved but like it makes so much sense once you said it because like all the female characters in this movie are so likable like it's so easy to write women um, and put them against each other right Mm because even like Linda she's a bitch and she did a bad thing but like Mm -hmm. it's not like an unheard of thing she's not that terrible right I did really like that they didn't have Linda like you know cheat on him or be you know some horrible person you know she just basically wasn't in love with him and she left at a very inconvenient time that being the wedding itself yeah definitely but you know what like it happens and fortunately like he said you could have told me this yesterday but like sometimes you don't think about it yesterday sometimes you only think about it today (laughs) again I think all the like the women are written pretty well there's this one really weird bit that I like we're again I was watching with my husband last night Mm. and it's when they're doing the cake tasting and stuff Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, this is like where this weird bit is. And he's like, what? There's a weird bit. And then it's like the woman at the very end who's mm-hmm. like really terrifying with the yellow teeth also wants like a cake sample. And Adam Sandler has to like give it to her. And they're all like weirded out by her. Yeah. And like, but like for what? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Like, I don't get it. Like, it feels weird. It wasn't funny. Right. It, it felt, like, mean-spirited. But, like, it was just weird. <laughs> yeah, it felt, that moment felt pretty much the same to me as when Adam Sandler's character is, is like, pointing out everyone in the audience who's unlovable. And he starts, yeah. or I think the second person he points out is just a woman with sideburns. Yes. And so, yeah, it was just sort of like, oh, this person is conventionally unattractive and therefore they're a joke to us. <laughs> Yeah, and then the mutants at table nine. I yeah. Was, like, they don't even look that fucking weird. Like, <laughs> that guy literally just has glasses and, like, kind of bushy hair. Yeah. Like, that's literally anyone. <laughs> yeah, definitely a huge thing in the 90s was, like, being fat phobic and yeah very anti-fat stuff and just like making if someone like didn't fit into a certain mold just making that like a punchline yeah definitely it was like free free game in the 90s 
Yeah. And, like, again, you have that with the, like, the gay jokes towards George and all of that. That considered, they do it not as much as other movies. I think it's, I think it's kind of fine level-wise. Oh, really quick. I definitely want to talk about um, when Adam Sandler goes to the engagement party. Yes. And Glenn's best friend is there and he's just like, oh, wow, like you got stood up. You must feel like shit. Yeah. Sandler's like, yeah. Do you, my parents died when I was 10. Do you want to talk about that? And he's just like, (laughs) why would I want to talk about that? Like, have me fucking dying. And then he's just like, yeah, go have a couple of drinks and go drive home. I was like, damn. (laughs) What a great, like, burn. Like, yeah. Perfect dangerous though um for other people not just that person (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no that was a great that was a great burn did you know that they considered casting jim carrey as the the shitty fiance i ooh, i did not know that i think he would have been too likable as the shitty fiance absolutely and it also would have been i like i'm so glad they didn't go that way because it would have been such a weird dynamic with these two comedy superstars because you're basically saying like oh the girl goes with this comedy superstar almost like they're like pitting them against each other yeah wow that's so interesting i feel like it would be such a like different movie it really feels like it would be like you me and irene type of thing where it's become a battle of wits and comedy for uh julia like yeah yeah but like what we need from glenn is that he's just a pa- <laughs> a piece of shit who yeah. can't come up with good songs by the way because he like punches him out and he's like i got a little song for you and it's just like i stuck my nose where it didn't belong or in other people's business <laughs> and then i got like punch or whatever and we're like this is a bad song like, <laughs> it's not even a good comeback yeah his dance was pretty good though yeah, so he did while he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> you have, do you have any other any other thoughts on on the impact it had on your life? In a way, like just like the friends that I have are very like, oh yeah, this movie's great, and like if they like that movie, I know I could trust them. <laughs> um, I was talking to my like work bestie, work husband about, it, and he's like, oh yeah, I quote this movie all the time. I'm like. <laughs> They're cones. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> they are cones. Or they're oh, cones. Yeah. I, I realized when I heard that line, I've heard people say that before and I had no idea what it was from. So when they did that line, I was like, oh, finally, the puzzle piece. <laughs> it just, if I ever need to like smile in general, um, the John Lovett scene, uh, when he's watching Adam Sandler have his like breakdown, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> he's going mad and he has like this look of realization on his face that's literally just so fucking funny and he's like and i'm (laughs) reaping all the benefits like it's something i quote a lot like i will say to myself i'm reaping all the benefits (laughs) so yeah if you like the wedding singer i could trust you i appreciate the friendships between men too in that movie Mm. because like again the 90s were such a like homophobic toxic male culture and yeah. you, you see that with his friend and he's very like I just want to like get with chicks and like just fuck 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 and then he has like that heart to heart with him he's just like I'm miserable I don't want to do this I do want like a woman to love me and I think that was very like yeah okay men are allowed to have feelings like 
that was pretty like profound for me because you know it was very like oh girls are girls and they have emotions and boys will be boys and they I don't know like statutory rape yeah right <laughs> now you can get that <laughs> you're fine <laughs> right so I again I just it really like kind of sent me down this path of like you need to like be really communicative with your like partners and your friends yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I I, I it, on that vein there was a moment in the bar like when the scene you're talking about where the guy who's like just been sleeping around and and you know objectifying women and all that and he's like actually it sucks doing this I don't want to do this and then he says like the only thing I really want is to be held and have someone tell me it's going to be okay and then this old man in the bar comes over and holds him and tells him (laughs) it's going to be okay and like I loved that but I was like well this is the 90s I know what's going to happen next the guy who's being hugged is going to shove that guy off and be like no gay I'm not homo like type of thing but he didn't he just like held the guy's arms and like smiled (laughs) yeah because he needed to be hugged and men are allowed to be hugged yeah you hear that man (laughs) (laughs) I just saw a TikTok recently where it's like oh my god I just saw like a dad explain to their kid about Star Wars that Darth Vader just had a lot of feelings that no one let him have and you know now he's a bad guy I was just like oh my god (laughs) I was like facts (laughs) We need all the movies we can get that tell men that they can have feelings, they can express them, and they can even be hugged by their friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's really important because, like, I'm queer. My husband is queer. He's very open, and he comes from a very, like, machismo kind of, like, culture. Mm-hmm. So he he wasn't allowed to, like, express emotions and stuff. So the fact that you know, he feels safe to do so, like, around me and, like, see all these things and stuff. Like, it's, you know, it's movies like The Wedding Singer where it's just, like, yeah, men can be sweet and women can be nice to each other and wonderful and so smart. So smart and, like, so loving still, you know? Like, because I feel like, oh, I mean, like, if they're a smart person, they're a bitch. Right. Yeah, they... They don't, like, talk down to women in this. I love it. And anytime, like, it's talking down, it's from, like, yeah, a piece of shit guy is talking down to me. And we're all like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you so much for sharing this beloved movie with me. If folks would like to find more Skylar, where might they do that? I have an anime podcast with my um, husband and our really good friend, Lauren. Uh, my husband's name is PJ BT Dubs. It's the Kawaii Disappointment podcast. We basically Yay. make our friend Lauren watch anime. She doesn't watch anime. And, <laughs> We love it. It's a huge, huge part of our life. So we give her the name and she has to guess what she thinks the plot is. And we give her the poster and she has to guess more to the plot. And yeah, she has to watch the first two episodes. And then we all talk about how wrong she was or right. She's right actually <laughs> a lot now. Nice. But you can find us at Kawaii Desu Pod on like Twitter and um, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, TikTok. Yeah, it's it's a bunch. 
Yeah, it's a great podcast. Listen wherever fine podcasts are found, including good pods. Ding, ding, ding. Yay, <laughs> yes, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Excellent. Any, any, any final words about the film or any other projects you'd like to plug? Oh my God, my cat is in here. I didn't know that. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> plug your cat. <laughs> Introducing Skylar's cat. <laughs> Actually, um, my cat Ambrose is a spokesperson on the Kawhi Disappointment Instagram Aww. page. You can find him. Uh- <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, yes, please. Wait, is your cat in the logo? I feel like there might be a cat in the logo. Uh no. No, there's not. Okay. I imagine no. that just now. <laughs> Maybe there should be. No. His <laughs> name is Ambrose and he's amazing and I love him. I love that name. Uh- <laughs> it was my way of getting around uh calling him Salem because he's a black cat. I wanted a black cat named Spoons. But then I got him, and I was like, he's not dumb enough to be named Spoons. Aww. He's not a Salem, but in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the Salem character is basically uh, named Ambrose. I'm like, there we mm. go, oh, baby. Anyway, so I'm plugging my nice. cat. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, well, thanks again so much for being on. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy your podcast. Aw, thanks so much enjoy yours as well thank you (laughs) and it was great like talking to you because yeah we have a lot in common this has been so fun yeah wild coincidences i love it i'm gonna once we get offline i'm gonna ask for your spotify playlist (laughs) (laughs) okay okay cool all right and remember everybody bring your own popcorn